Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, but we have a few things to get out of the way first. Number one on that list. We have a new patron that just signed up for the Patreon. hey So shout out to our guy, Brian Wayne, from the Cheers of Comics podcast. Boy, do you not know what you've gotten yourself into. Oh, I know. He's going to be finding out what the whole one tier $2 a month and a lot of content is on the way is all about. So shout out to him. Secondly, the ODPH had some big news over the weekend. Yes. We just cleared 100,000 downloads. God damn. So thank you to everybody that's been supporting the brand since day one. If you just come along and you're hitting that follow and subscribe button, it means the absolute world to us. For being an indie pod and we do this without any paid advertising, it's just us, social media, sharing, word of mouth, DIY as it comes. We can't say thank you enough for everybody that's been supporting. That's a huge opportunity to be able to say we hit and it's a huge yeah. goal to say we've done so it's crazy thank you to pat thank you to everybody at 607 podcast and thank you to everybody that's listening at home wherever you were listening to us around the world we do appreciate it because we actually hit the canadian charts for apple Podcasts for wrestling this week shout too. out to canada yes yeah, so we are making some moves here at the odph and pad if i want to find out about What's going on with the ODPH? Where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. So you swing on over to the front page. We have all our social media links right there. So we want you to follow. We want you to interact. We want to engage with you. Also, you can check out the T Public Store. A lot of stuff is going on there, let me just tell you. So if you want to really support the brand, that's one way to do it. Also, the Patreon link is right there so you can be like Brian because Brian's awesome. Mm-hmm. So are the rest of our patrons. So if you want to be like the cool kids, Sign up and find out what's going on with the ODPH behind a Patreon wall. All the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> exactly. Patriot or Parlay Points blog section, the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 117,000. Sounds about right to me. The classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and a lot more. Also, the music section, so shout out to Brian Wolf, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Floodlands, shout out to Robots, the list goes on and on and on. Fantastic people that you definitely want to go support. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH. It can be found at odphpodcast.com. And remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. But you came in to hear some sports talk, so let's deliver that. Obviously, it's the NFL season and it's the NFL playoffs, so you know we're kicking off the show with that. It's going to be recapping all the week's action because, man, there are some storylines coming out of this wild card weekend. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, and just for clear uh, transparency's sake, we are going to be going in sequential order of when the games take took place so we're not showing any bias we're not showing any favoritism here we're going in the order of which they took place and of course we are starting off with the game that took place first on saturday between the san francisco 49ers who beat the seattle seahawks by the final score of 41 to 23 brock purdy the goat or hold on i'm sorry brock Purdy. Love that Paul Heyman intro. As Paul Heyman eloquently put it on the Fox pregame show. Uh, 18 of 30 for 332 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Geno Smith, 25 of 35, 253 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Kenneth Walker III led Seattle in rushing with 15 carries, 63 yards, one touchdown. Christian McCaffrey led San Francisco in rushing because 
duh. Uh, 15 carries, 119 yards, no touchdowns. Debo Samuel led San Francisco in receiving because, again, duh. Uh, six catches, 133 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and DK Metcalf led Seattle in receiving because, duh. Duh. Uh, 10 catches, 136 yards, and two touchdowns. Well, this game can be very easily summed up. It's a tale of two halves. Mm-hmm. The first half, San Francisco came out and took them way too lightly. Yes. And for a team that is an odds-on favorite to get to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Without any question. Which is wild. It, to think about. for Consid- the they, Considering they're on the third-string quarterback. Exactly. Like, what they've gone through this season, it's a true testament to what John Lynch and this, the behind-the-scenes front office has put together in San Francisco uh-huh. to make this happen. And doing this, which Pat alluded to, with a third-string quarterback is just completely crazy. But making a big deal to get Christian McCaffrey has definitely paid off, and the team is healthy. That's something to really put into perspective as well. Yeah. That they're now playing at such a high level with all their pieces in place. Mm-hmm. You can't get any better than this team is playing right now. However, though, Seattle came in playing with house money. Oh, yeah. They weren't supposed to be here. Nobody had them no. going 9-8 and eight by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even think anybody in Seattle had them this far. No, because obviously losing Russell Wilson in the offseason, yeah, yeah. everybody thought the sky was falling. Geno Smith stepped in and really took advantage of the opportunity. So, well, And especially you think of Russell Wilson's performance the last couple of years in Seattle compared to what we thought we knew of Geno Smith. On paper, you look at it going into this season, downgrade. You know, and, and Geno Smith, not nearly as good as Russell Wilson. You know, can he throw as deep as Russell Wilson? Can he make the plays like Russell Wilson? Can he read the field like Russell Wilson? You know, and, and to this point, probably not as good, but damn it, he proved he's pretty good. Oh, absolutely. So factoring all that in, San Francisco took him too lightly in that first half. Mm-hmm. And Seattle was ready to scrap, which you have to applaud them for. They could have just easily folded and just said it's been a nice season. But they came out swinging in that second yeah. quarter. Yeah, 17 points unanswered. Exactly. So going into halftime, everybody was really unsure of how San Francisco was going to bounce back. I think it was like a video game. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody was going, are they pretenders or are they contenders? Obviously, they came out the gate ready to go. Their defense tightened up, mm-hmm. shut out Seattle in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter was all San Francisco. This is what championship teams do. They put it together, albeit, though, a little too close for comfort. Yeah. But that could be a theme for this weekend, as we'll get into when we discuss more of the games. But San Francisco looked great going into this, uh, going into next week. This was a big win that, obviously, they needed, but they needed to also make it a statement, too. Yeah, uh, 41-23, that is certainly a statement. Exactly. To put up 41 on a playoff team, that is truly saying we're not we're not pretenders. We are contenders. Yeah, I mean, you just look at some of the other stats. You know, I mentioned... Uh, Debo Samuel leading receiving, but Brandon Ayuk, 73 yards receiving. Jawan Jen- Jennings, 41 yards receiving. Kittle, 37 yards receiving. Elijah Mitchell, 25. Christian McCaffrey, 17. Like, pretty damn good spreading the ball around. And you have to think about it, too. For a lot of them, it was only two catches, so yards after carry. Uh-huh. So you have to think about, in that perspective, that the players were making plays. This is what you want from your offense so Frisco is looking really good. Oh, yeah. Going they're, in, they're clicking. Going into next week. Seattle has been a nice story, so nothing to hang their heads about. No. You know, they definitely really showed up. They gave it their all. Just this was not their year, but this is stuff to build off for next year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. go from there. Uh, and then the, the other game that took place on Saturday was between the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, who beat the Los Angeles Chargers 31-30. to 
Trevor Lawrence, 28 of 47, uh, 288 yards passing, four touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, Justin Herbert, 25 of 43, 273 yards passing with only one touchdown and no interceptions. Uh, Austin Eckler, 13 carries, 35 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Etain Jr., 20 carries, uh, 109 yards, one, uh, no touchdowns. Evan Ingram led Jacksonville in receiving with seven catches, 93 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then Gerald Everett led Los Angeles in receiving with six catches, 109 yards, one touchdown. And because I know everyone listening at home is curious, Christian Kirk, eight catches, 78 yards, one touchdown. I've said it once on this show. I will say it again probably for the duration we do this show and yep. then offline. Yep. The Chargers are the most inconsistent team in any type of game. Mm-hmm. Playoff, preseason, regular season, it doesn't matter. Do not rely on them to win when they need to. Nope. And this is the true testament of that statement. When you are up 27-7 to 7 at halftime mm-hmm. and you are clicking as much as you are clicking, Mm-hmm. And you have that much talent on both sides of the ball. Oh, yeah. And you let a Jacksonville team that had nothing to lose, had four turnovers in the first half. Yes, three of them in the first quarter. Bounce back, you are a pretender. Yes. You are not any team I would back moving forward. Mm Mm-hmm. And you cannot sit there and tell me Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback. I know that he's had a great regular season. Mm -hmm. But to get shut down like he did in that second second half, that is telling. I don't think it's necessarily all on him. I I think he's certainly got the talent. I think some of it obviously falls on the, well, now former offensive coordinator because uh, as we record, he has been let go from his position. Um, but I think part of it falls on that former offensive coordinator whose name is, let me pull up the page here, uh, Joe Lombardi, uh, because the stat I heard, I think it was while watching clips from first take yesterday, uh, Austin Eckler, 13 carries, 35 yards, two touchdowns. If I remember the stat right, all of those were in the first half that he did not get a single carry in the second half, which... Austin Eckler, is he the greatest running back of all time? Depending on who you hear, yeah. Depending on who yeah. you depending on who you talk to, maybe. Yeah. Is he a decent running back? Yeah, he's a decent running he's back. He's very decent. I'd say that. But for, but for you to not give your number one running back a single carry in the entire second half, what the fuck are you doing? Well, that's the whole point. You're up twenty seven to seven. You have a comfortable lead. Why are you not running the ball to run timeout? Boy, Atlanta's asking that for years later. Oh, my God, yeah. It was like deja vu to an extent. Yeah. To an extent, but the end result is still the same. Yeah. You let a team back in that you had on the ropes ready for the referee to say the fight's over. You let them back in, Mm -hmm. and they were not on your level. I'm sorry, Jacksonville fans. Let's be honest. Yeah. Your team, in comparison on paper, is not the same as the Chargers. Chargers are way more talented on both sides of the ball. You guys have pieces, but you're not a complete team. Mm -hmm. But I will give you credit. They bounce back when they shouldn't have. Whoever fired up that locker room deserves all the praise and money in the world. Mm -hmm. because Whatever Peterson said, goddamn. It clicked, and that's what they needed to do. And I think with Peterson being there, 
that helps because he's been in the playoffs. Oh, before. yeah, he's he's been to the promised land. And he's somebody that can be a calming voice in the face of adversity in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And for Trevor Lawrence, he needed that. Yeah. Because this, you could also say, was a game of two halves, like mm-hmm. the 49ers and the I don't know if he, I don't know if he's ever been down like this before. Not he, to my knowledge. Not that I can think of. I mean, and and – the, the you know what this game was like? It was like the first Rocky movie, mm-hmm. where where Rocky's fighting Apollo, and at one point in like the middle part of the fight, because it went the fight. In case you don't know, it goes the full distance. But at one point, like the middle of the fight, uh, Apollo's corner goes, "Listen, just finish this off. Be done with this." And he's like, "Nah, I got to show him something." Yeah, he's like, "I got I to teach him a lesson," and and that allows Rocky to come back, and eventually the fight goes the way it does in the end. That's what this was like. Where like you know. It was like the Chargers were ready to to finish him, yeah. You know, like Mortal Kombat or something. They're like, you know what? We can toy around with this a little bit more. The other funny one I saw was there. I know it's going around on Instagram. It might be going around on TikTok too. But there was this fan, uh, Chargers fan, who was watching the game, and then when it was up twenty seven to seven, fell asleep. Oh, I saw that. The dude fell asleep, and because of Saturday night late, he had whatever he was going on. The dude was tired, and his roommate whatever friend woke him up and go like just kind of nudged him and went hey you guys lost and the guy just sits there like a half asleep stunned silence and the guy holding the phone turns the camera over to the television and it shows the clock hitting zero as the two sides are coming out to like shake hands or whatever and the guy just can't even say anything well what can you say yeah this is one of the biggest collapses in sports history it's up there you like I say, it's not number one. I would say, but it's up there. Yeah, it is because you are a much more talented team. Obviously, being in LA and say what you will, you have a, a very big media market that does showcase you a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I, I wouldn't say football is the sport that runs that town by any stretch of the imagination. It's making a climb. It's climbing, but it's slow. It, obviously, in comparison to the Lakers and Dodgers, no, it's, yeah, you know, yeah. it's an easy yeah. number three. Yeah, but. That said, you have a lot of eyes on you, and everybody's ready to anoint Justin Herbert and this team, mm-hmm. and yet you find a way to collapse. And I think a lot of heat has to come on Brandon Staley, the head coach. Yes. I think whatever game plan you had coming out at halftime was Oof. it was just disastrous. So I, I do not argue one bit about the coaches being fired. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. I'm surprised well, Staley wasn't fired, to be honest with you. Well, supposedly um... – I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily the ownership has expressed faith in him, but I, I did hear that he's got some meetings to have with ownership. So as we currently record, he still has his job, but within the next couple of weeks, if it doesn't come down to he's fired, I would. If he's fired, I wouldn't be surprised. But if he's not fired, I would imagine that the uh, window for him to have an error is uh, very small. Well, you have to with how this team is set up to win. It's set up to win now. You're not in a rebuilding mode like Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. You are supposed to be there. You're supposed to contend with the Chiefs every year. And people just singing Justin Herbert's praises the first however many years he's been in the league. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to have your franchise quarterback. This is supposed to be a whole new team, a whole yeah. everything. Goal, Chaja's goal. Exactly. And yet you find ways to choke, mm-hmm. to collapse, to fall, however you want to spin it. Yeah. You find ways to take an L. You need to put this together if you're going to make this a winning franchise. And it's not like you don't have the talent or players there. Uh, yeah, that's you, you the, do. That's the biggest thing. You're just making boneheaded decisions like playing your starters in a meaningless game. Exactly. Week 18. Why Mike Williams was in that game is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's meaningless. Yep. Your seed is locked up for the playoffs. Yep. The minute that happened, 
It's done. Play a series and get them off. Yeah, Denver was not going to play spoiler in that game. So we're, we're like, where was the stakes there? Yeah, and that is just an idiotic move in my opinion. Yeah. So now you're sitting home on the sidelines trying to figure out what happened. Yep. You have a Jacksonville team that I I hope they pull off the win against Kansas City this week. I doubt it. I doubt it. I will be shocked. I will Can, be Kansas City ain't gonna let off off that gas bottle. No. Can, we we saw what Kansas City did when they were playing around against the Raiders week eighteen. Mm-hmm. They were doing ring around the Rosie. I fear what Steve Spagnola is gonna have as a defensive coordinator lined up for Trevor Lawrence because if he got picked off and a couple were deflections, I will say that. Sure. But still, if he got picked off four times yeah. by the Chargers, yeah. you, you give Kansas City that opportunity. Especially on two weeks. Two weeks at home. Oof. This is a whole different ball game. Because I'm I'm willing to bet, and this is just kind of me projecting a little bit, but I'm willing to bet with uh, the defensive coordinator there over in Kansas City. Spagnolo. Spagnolo. The Chargers are in the same division. They've played them twice this year already. So mm-hmm. re- realistically, there's not much more in the playbook they can reveal that they don't know. So they've got them pretty well scouted and know what they're going to do. So I'm willing to bet when it came time, they wasn't doing any hard planning. We are just kind of taking some look at some film and maybe coming up with some schemes. He wasn't looking at the Chargers because he's like, I know what I'm going to do for them. I got to look at the the Jaguars who we play maybe once every three, four years, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. You know, so I'm willing to bet he was already looking at the Jaguars. So it ain't like, oh, he's only got a week to prep because, you know, the game or whatever. I'm willing to bet the last two weeks he's been looking at the Jags. Spagnola is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Head coaching-wise, not so much in my opinion, but yeah, he's a great D.C. So that said, he'll be ready for him. Oh, God, yeah. The question is going to be now, can Trevor Lawrence start off hot and win in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes? Because that's what it's going to come down to. Literally. If he can't hang with Mahomes, it's all for nothing. And it's not to say Jacksonville can't catch lightning in a bottle twice, but going off the eye test, it's not going to happen. Now, I'm stressing, I want to see it happen because I would love to see Jacksonville play spoiler this week. I don't think they're going to, but they have six days now to get ready, and they have to show up. Uh, currently looking at the line, it is Kansas City by 8.5. The over-under is 53, in case you're curious. Uh, and just because I know this will play a factor, current weather forecast, according to AccuWeather.com, is uh, 40 degrees and rain. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, Travis Attain, if he can get the ball running on the ground easy, mm-hmm. they have a shot. Like I say, it's not to say Jacksonville is going to win 48 to nothing. Or, I'm sorry, Kansas City is going to win 48 to nothing. Right. But... The odds are not stacked in Jacksonville's favor. I don't care how you want to spin it. This is a good win, but this is a win over an inconsistent team that finds a way to fail more than win. Mm-hmm. So Jacksonville, get ready because you have the number one asterisk seed in the AFC waiting for you. You got a tough test. Yes, you do. Uh, and then the, the uh, first game that took place on Sunday we're going to talk about is between the Buffalo Bills, who beat the Miami Dolphins 34-31. to uh, Josh Allen, 23 of 39, 352 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Skylar Thompson, uh, 18 of 45, 220 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. led Miami in rushing with 10 carries, 23 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Devin Singletary led Buffalo in rushing with 10 carries, 48 yards, no touchdowns. Stephon Diggs led Buffalo in receiving because, duh. Uh, seven catches, 114 yards, no touchdowns. And then Tyree Kill led Miami in receiving because, again, duh. duh. Uh, seven catches, 69 yards, nice, uh, and no touchdowns. 
All right, so I will call this right down the middle, mm-hmm. much like we do here at the ODPH and on 607TWS. The Bills were lucky uh-huh. to get a win over a third-string quarterback. Uh-huh. And I am going to say this. If they make the same mistakes they did against Miami, against Cincinnati, it's going to be a long day mm-hmm. for Bills Mafia. Uh-huh. Because there was notable egregious mistakes by Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, and the defense that really played a part of why this game was so close. Even uh, Ken Dorsey, right. I thought, made some really suspect play calls late. And let's get into it, though. Bills jumped out early. Yep. 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. Uh-huh. They're looking great. Miami is not looking so hot. Skylar Thompson was struggling a bit. Sure. But Miami bounced back. They started to get the ball moving in the air. I mean, Tyreek Hill, once you got him slowly starting to go, yep. they were making plays. Josh Allen was being a little too careless with the football. Mm-hmm. And when you make mistakes in the playoffs, see, this is the one thing we need to remember as fans during the playoffs. This isn't the regular season. Nope. If you're there, arguably, you're one of the seven best teams of your conference. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, you back in like Tampa Bay did because your division is awful. Yeah. If you make mistakes like this, professional teams that are meant to win are going to do this. And I will say the Dolphins' defense played very solid. Yeah. But they've done that all season. Have they been a lights-out defense? No. But they have played consistently enough that if you give them an opportunity to make a play, they're going to. Josh was careless with the ball a few times, and it came back to haunt him. And this is a situation that he needs to clean up in a hurry. I thought their play calling, though, near the end of the first half was getting him a little bit of trouble. McDermott was not letting go mm-hmm. of uh, a touchdown that got called back. He was like yeah. fighting it. Yeah. He even took a timeout and waste of a challenge because he wanted the booth to look at it, and they couldn't. Like Doing mistakes like that yeah. is going to cost the Bills. And it drives me nuts because you can attest to this, Pad. Yep. Anybody that's listened to the show for a few years since McDermott has been there. Yep. What is my biggest gripe about him? Second half adjustments or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And time management in two minutes. Yes. That's the two biggest things I say him and Frazier on the defensive side of the ball do very, very poorly. I thought McDermott mismanaged the time. We're lucky we got out of there with a, uh, with a lead at the first half. But... Miami came right back. Mm-hmm. Granted, the Bills hung in there, but you let Miami come back on you. Skylar Thompson got very comfortable, which I thought was a mistake by the Bills because you couldn't put any pressure on them. You didn't switch up your schemes. You're letting players get open, albeit though a lot of the Miami receivers were dropping easy passes. Oh, yeah. Let's not forget about this. Hill dropped an easy touchdown, so did Waddle. Mm-hmm. When you do that... That's going to cost you in the worst way possible, as we saw here. And why the Bills, when they had the lead late, I want to bring up a series that was late in the fourth quarter. Okay. We had the ball with about eight minutes left, I'm going to say. Sure. We have to just run the ball. We have the lead by 10. Uh, Okay, yeah. Why was Josh Allen throwing 60 yards downfield on first down and second down from his own 25. Because you don't have a running back. 
I, I realize there are gentlemen on the on the roll. I realize there are gentlemen on the roster that are listed as running backs. Mm-hmm. Devin Singletary, James Cook. But you don't have a guy, and I'm not even talking one of my big gripes, all oh, the Bills don't have a guy who can crack 100 yards. That's that's not the issue here. That's not what you needed in this instance. Mm-hmm. You needed one of those power backs that isn't going to burst off for a 15, 20-yard run. No, you need one of those running backs that's going to run through right through the gut of the defense, right into the heart, you know, in the, into those defensive ends and defensive tackles, right up the middle. That's going to eke out two, three, four yards if you're lucky, and then the clock keeps running. And then you can take the full, what is it, like 40 seconds or whatever it is, mm-hmm. the play clock. You can take the full 38 seconds and then snap the ball off. Buffalo doesn't have that. If you had that, the game would have been over. I agree with you, but I disagree with you. I agree with you. They don't have that solid running back. James Cook is supposed to be that guy. He still has not shown that. So you don't have that bruiser to go right up the middle. My argument is why are we bombing it downfield? Yeah. That's my biggest argument. If we did a slant pass to Cole Beasley, for, I don't know, six yards, something like that. Yeah. Start chipping away time on the clock. Mm-hmm. There you go. That makes up for your lack of a running game, so to speak. My argument here is you're up and you're just throwing it downfield. Shit, even do checkdowns to Dawson Knox. Something. Why are you have, sitting have there? Have run curls and just go up and curl back. Because it's not like Gabe Davis was wide open. Like, that was the thing. It, it wasn't like the defender for Miami got burnt and you had a guy completely wide open and he drops it. Mm-hmm. They were playing the ends very, very well. I will say that. Even though Diggs and Davis both had over 100 yards each receiving, it still was a point that instead of just doing the short game, you tried making a statement win. Mm-hmm. And at this stage, you're lucky you got that win anyway. Oh, yeah. Because your defense, which was looking shaky in that third quarter, yet again, surprise to no one, right, came up big when they needed to, mm-hmm. and that's huge. And that's a it's it's a gritty win, but it's an ugly win, and it's something not to be proud of. Well, yeah, like, I, I saw a couple Bills fans; they were like, "Oh, you know, ugly win, but a win's a win." And I'm like, mm, "Is it? I mean, it, yeah, it's technically a win, but I agree with everything you said." And I'm not saying this is a Patriots fan; I'm saying this is a football fan. Mm-hmm. The Bills got fucking lucky. Yeah. Because if Tua was able to play in this game, Buff- Different ball game. Buffalo would have lost. Because you had the, what was it, the the delay of game at the late in the fourth quarter, or whatever, where, mm. where Miami took a five yard penalty where they They did, took four of those like in a row, I want to say. That wouldn't happen with Tua. Whatever was happening, you know, whether it was taking too long to get the play call to the quarterback, whatever was going on, would not have happened with Tua. Tua would have just called something on the fly and been able to do it. We're talking about Skylar Thompson here in the game, who was their third-string quarterback. He's in his rookie season. He was the seventh-round draft pick, pick number 247 from Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Folks, he played in seven games this year, amassed 534 yards passing, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Th- that's not... A great line. Uh, now, it, if it was like, oh, only three, four games, like, all right, that's a pretty decent line. But no, that's seven games played. That's not a great line for playing seven games. He's a third string quarterback. You should have had this locked up and cinched up by the st- midway through the third quarter. But instead, you fucked around and you found out. Yeah. Now, whether it's they took him too lightly because, oh, this is Skylar Thompson. This ain't this ain't Tua. We got this in the bag. 
I don't know what it is. But Buffalo, you got lucky. And you can't make these same mistakes next week because you're playing Cincinnati. And that's what the research that's not this ain't Joe Burrow and team from earlier in the season where they were struggling. Nah, this is one of the hottest teams in the NFL mm-hmm. with, you know, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow and Skylar Thompson ain't in the same class. No. Bur- that- and you and if you repeat some of these mistakes against Cincinnati, Burrow is gonna burn your ass all day. The one thing the Bills can maybe learn from from this is they need to get pressure on Burrow early. When they were doing it against Thompson, they were succeeding. But for whatever reason, they took the foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand this. And this is not the first time that <laughs> Frazier has done this with the defense. If it's working, do it. You stop putting pressure on when you started feeling comfortable. And then coming out of that third quarter, it's same old Bills. And I hate saying that. And granted, I understand we scored two touchdowns, sure. But at the same time, you're still in Miami in this game. They took the lead at one point, yeah. which the sky was falling. And now you're in a situation where you are facing the hottest team in football. No question about it. Mm-hmm. You need to have a better game plan. You need to be ready because Cincinnati is going to be ready for you. And if you don't get a clear sense of what you want to do, you're going to be out of this game very early. And I hate saying this as a Bills fan, but I'm being an honest one. Mm -hmm. You can't sit there and let Burrow have time to find Jamar Chase because that's who he's going to find all day. Your secondary has played well, and they did have a very solid game against Miami. Yeah. But I think if we make the comparison, and this is not me being a Miami hater, the Cincinnati wide receiver core is very, very much better. Oh, yeah, it is. And I don't care the Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle around Miami. I think if you make the comparison roster to roster. Let's say if i got to pick one receiving core between Miami and, and Cincinnati, I'm picking Cincinnati. Absolutely. Do it without even blinking. This is going to be a situation where the Bills are going to need. Now, I don't know if Micah Hyde is ready to come back. I know that he is close okay. because he, I think, is on the practice squad. If they activate him, that will be a huge help. But I do understand, obviously, he was supposed to be out the season. Right. And he, as I heard, he's pulling this miraculous comeback. He might be able mm. to sneak in there for Maybe. this game. If they have him there with their secondary, that will change things could a be lot. Li- could be limited situations. Could be on, could be on like a proverbial pitch count. I hope so. Like just for his sake, because I'd love to see him come back for this. Because him in that backfield definitely helps with Poyer. Sure. Like they, those two not playing together, there's always a hiccup, and you can't have a hiccup during this game. Mm-hmm. That's the one scary thing about the bill about the playoffs. Every game is blown up that much further. Or is has been announced. Actually, I'm checking now that he will not play in the divisional round. Oh, okay. So he's close, but he's not going to be there. He's not that. He's not ready yet. No. So, okay. So this is coming out. So that said. The Bills are going to have to play a lot better. For Miami, I am going to criticize, though. Sure. I think a lot has to do with the delay of games. Oh, yeah, that that hurt. But I also remember hearing that Mike McDaniel allegedly said he did not realize it was fourth and one. Oh, shit. At one point. Oh, that, that's, there was, that's not good. There was miscommunication. I'm sorry. If that's true. Yeah. That's bullshit. That's also inexcusable because all he's got to do is turn his head 90 degrees left or right. I don't know which direction it would be. And look at the fucking scoreboard. Yeah. Takes all of less than a second. You have people on the sideline holding the chains for the first downs. Yep. And what's always on the top of those orange markers? Uh, what The number down it is. Exactly. 
you can't sit there and make that comment. And if you can't see that, like I said, you can turn your head 90 degrees to the left or right and look at the scoreboard. Uh, I've seen the scoreboard in Buffalo. It's rather large. It's hard to miss. Yeah. Like, you can't say that you didn't you didn't know that. I'm sorry. Own up that you had a quarterback in there that wasn't ready for this moment, but he played he played well enough. Considering he's a third-string quarterback yeah. and, and he's a rookie, he played pretty damn good. Yeah. That's why I say I can't fault him on that. Skylar Thompson did what he could, but it was a situation that they should have been more prepared yeah. on the sidelines. Yeah. You're there watching everything. And yeah, if you're saying that you did not know that you you had a fourth and one and you didn't realize that you thought you had a first down, that's on you. Mm-hmm. You need to be in this game. You need to make sure you're watching. And like, I'm sorry, that cost you this game and you had a chance to oh, win. Oh, absolutely. Now, am I saying he should be fired like I heard some people are saying? Look, he got you here without your starting quarterback. For a majority of the season. Yeah. I can't fault McDaniel. Hell no. I really can't. There's certain things I like I like about his game, and there's certain things I don't. You can't fire him over this game. Yeah, you can fault, you can fault him for the game, but the, you want to know what I thought coming out of this game is two is there. Buffalo, or not Buffalo, uh, Miami's going to be real scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because they're only going to get better. Well, Tua is allegedly coming back next season, so I'm just hoping he's back in perfect health. Yeah. That's the only thing I care yeah. about. If he says he's retiring and he's going to be healthy for the rest of his life, I'm happy with that too. I just want to see him healthy. I don't want to see anybody go through what he went through. And for Miami, you're going to have some rebuilding to do, and we'll have to wait to see how you match up with the Bills and the Patriots and the Jets next season because I think all four teams are going to get better in this offseason. Just depends on how far the Bills want to go. That's going to be the biggest takeaway because I think they have the marquee matchup of the weekend of all the other games we're going to be talking about. But that said, let's get a quick breakout pad and hit us up on the hashtag wherever you're listening to us from. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Wild Card Weekend? How did your team do? We gave you three games to discuss about. Give us your thoughts on those games. We definitely want to interact with you about this. We'll be right back. Calling all movie buffs, cinema lovers, and film fanatics. Welcome to the Silver Screen Savers Podcast. I'm Michael Gallup. I'm Matt Sturdivant. And I'm Tyler Sukas. And we're a show for movie fans by movie fans. Every week, you can catch us discussing the world of cinema, including dissection of films both new and old, our takes on what's to come, career retrospectives of the most prolific names in the business, and much, much more. Listen in via your favorite podcasting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and more. You could also join the discussion and leave suggestions for future content by writing to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com, following us at screensaverspod on both Instagram and Twitter, as well as liking us on Facebook at Silver Screen Savers Podcast. We'll see you at the cinema. Coming back on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, still recapping Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Three games down, three are up. Pat, kick us off. Yeah, so next thing we're going to talk about was between the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Giants, which the Giants beat the Vikings by the final score of 31-24. to Danny Dimes, 24-35, uh, 301 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Kirk Cousins, 31-39, uh, 273 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Dalvin Cook led Minnesota in rushing, 15 carries, 60 yards, no touchdowns. Daniel Jones led uh, the Giants in rushing with 17 carries, 78 yards, no touchdowns. 
Uh, Isaiah Hodge, uh, Hodgins led the Giants in receiving with eight catches, 105 yards, one touchdown, and then TJ Hawkinson led Minnesota in receiving with 10 catches, 129 yards, and no touchdowns. Well, we've said it once. We've said it a few times this season. Yeah. Minnesota is not for real. Sorry, they're the luckiest team in football. Yeah. They're not worthy of the seed they had this entire season. They got their record by luck. Well, and also somebody has to win the division, so. Right, by default. Yeah. Next year, Detroit calling it right now. But they showed up for this one and got beat by the lesser team. And I'm sorry, Giants have shown that they are playing hot at an elite level when they need to. Yeah. Which is not which is on par for them. Yeah, like it, it, I have to pause when I say that because I don't believe the words are coming out of my mouth. The Giants are playing; they're playing decent to their opponent's level. Like it's a let's, weird, not, let's not call them elite. They're de- they're good. Yeah, no, elite was never coming out of my mouth. They're good. Like the fact I'm actually complimenting them for this game because they won this outright. Well, I mean, let's face it; they did. They followed the Padawan J rule for beating the Vikings. Shut down Justin Jefferson. And you're good. Yeah. Because uh, Justin Jefferson in this game targeted nine times, caught seven of them for 47 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah. Which 47 yards, it's okay. For Justin Jefferson, it's a very subpar game. So they did, somebody from the Giants must have listened to this podcast and uh, schemed it up. They shut down Justin Jefferson and they're good. Well, I do know that a Giants player does follow the show on Instagram. So maybe, just maybe, shout out to you. So definitely, you know, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. Let us know what you thought. That, but in all seriousness, though, Minnesota was only going to get by on the play of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, which, again, Kirk Cousins in prime time. Hey. Yeah, he's hey. he's just not that guy. Like, he's a serviceable quarterback. Is he worth all the praise that his contract says he is? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. No. Like, he's a solid quarterback, but he's not a guy that's going to get you over the hump. And time in and time out, we've seen this inconsistency. Oh, yeah. That's the easiest way to describe it because – you see him on planes after wins, and how you oh, like that, and oh you know that whole the nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Which I understand. You want to celebrate a win, but you don't do it enough in in succession here. Yeah, that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's great to deliver and show for the regular season, but when you're an absolute ghost in the postseason, don't mean much. Exactly. Like quarterbacks are remembered for regular season performances, yes, but you're remembered for far more when it's the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it's just a weird thing to see him falter as badly as he does because he has all the talent to do it. You just can't put it together. Like, I swear, if he ever goes to the Chargers, that might be the perfect fit. <laughs> oh, maybe. I'm saying that out loud, folks. I, you call it a shot, call it whatever you want. It's just with him, it's not going to get Minnesota to where they need to be. They need to make a change. Mm-hmm. I don't know who. I, I couldn't even tell you. But they need to do something there yeah. because he's just not going to get the job done. We saw this come up in probably the most crucial spot when they're driving down the field in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And instead of going for the first down, he throws short to TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, that was weird. It's time and awareness. Was he, was he just trying to pat his stats? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's just he lacked there in that moment. Yeah. And like I say, it's kind of weird for me to articulate because if you're playing at this level, and you're in the playoffs, this should be a no-brainer. And he's been around long enough that he should know. Exactly. See, this isn't like Thompson from Miami. 
I understand if he did. So uh, this is his was his tenth year in the league. Mm-hmm. Know, he was drafted in 2012. Yeah, but this isn't Cousins' first time in the playoffs. So why are we sitting here going? I don't know where the first down marker is. I need to keep a drive going to keep my team in this. And it's not to say the Giants were playing shutdown, but they stepped up for the challenge. Oh yeah, they did. They played great, so I can't fault them on that. Albeit, though, it was a little concerning that Daniel Jones was the leading rusher. Yeah. I will say that. But Saquon was definitely involved in the game. Two touchdowns. You can't go wrong with that. No, 53 yards, nine carries. And the defense played solid. So now, going into the next round, they will have a true test. Oh Yeah, they will. Because they got Philly. Anything is possible there. And it is tough for a team to sweep a division rival three times. It has been done, but it's very, very tough. That said, the Giants need a performance like they did here where you need to shut down the running game and you need to shut down Jalen Hurts. And and, uh, A.J. Brown. Mm -hmm. If you can do this, you have a chance. Mm -hmm. But then it it all rides on Daniel Jones again. And now I'm going to make a weird comparison. Okay. And like I say, if you hear me at home or wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and you're like, why is he struggling so much to say this? Because I can't believe these words are coming in my, out of my mouth about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is reminding me of Eli. Mm, okay. Eli Manning, the Love great that. Giants quarterback who was subpar. Well, I don't know if I call him great. but in Well, I know you won't for obvious reasons. <laughs> but he was subpar in the regular season. Like, serviceable. Yeah, decent. Well, not even decent. Yeah, no, serviceable. But he would turn on a switch in that postseason. Yeah. And I don't know what ghost possessed him. Yeah. But he would turn into this elite quarterback yeah. in the postseason. He'd be like the Monstars and Alt and uh, Space Jam, stealing, it, stealing the abilities. It's the weirdest thing to watch. Yeah, yeah, it is similar. But there was a similar situation here with Daniel Jones against the Vikings. Because there's no way he should have been dropping 301 on them. Oh, hell no. Two touchdowns. Hell no. Sorry. Was not supposed to do. I'll be it though. Him and Hodgkins, that is a good one-two combo there. Yeah. I will say that. That has been the wide receiver they need. So if, as long as he stays healthy, they got a, they have a, ch- a chance. I'm not going to say they always got They always got a chance, you know, any given Sunday. But right. It, it ain't much. It's not much. But to think about what this team is capable of doing. And they're much like in the same vein as Seattle. Yeah. And Jacksonville. You're playing with house money. Nobody's expecting you to even be here. And yet you got here, and albeit you struggled at the end of the season, but now you're turning it on, Mm -hmm. and this is a very solid win against a pretender team, but a team that is better than you on paper. Yeah. And the fact that you you contain Justin Jefferson to 47 yards, if you can do that with A.J. Brown next week. So you contain Dalvin Cook under 100 yards. Yeah. A.J. or Justin Jefferson under 50 yards, and you contained Adam Thielen to 50 yards. Yeah, like you have the potential to do this thing. So it all depends on what you're feeling and how you show up. Because if you're feeling like you have a chance and you're going to prove shock the world, prove everybody wrong, you can win this game. You could. I will say this, Brian Dabble. Brian Dabble might get coach of the year. He should. You know what, I, and I can't fault him on he that. Should, he should, absolutely. I think for the job he's done, he's got this team going. If, if he beats Philly, not saying he needs to win the NFC Championship, if he beats Philly next week, Give it to him. I just don't know how the voting works, whether it's like Major League Baseball and it's voted on before the season ends or during the playoffs. That's the only thing I don't know. That's going to be a that, good that question. Could, that could factor into the voting. Right, but I think if any case scenario happens here, 
Giants fans have to be optimistic. Am I saying Daniel Jones is going to be Josh Allen next week? No. No. I think, though, if he can play at the level he played in against Minnesota, they'll be okay. I'll say if the defense can repeat and even, I would say, have to increase the way they performed uh, from last week to this coming week, they got to do better than they did last week. They've got a shot. It yeah. Ain't, it ain't much, but there's always a chance. I'll give him 30%. And I think I'm being generous there, too. Yeah. Because I think ESPN's football predictor is giving him about 16. See, it's doing the eye test and doing all the factors that we mentioned. That's the only thing that I think plays the real factor. Oh, sorry, I gave him a little too low. Uh, the matchup predictor on ESPN.com is giving them 19.7. It's still low, but and rightfully so. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but you also are not counting in the human element. That's true. This is the third time this team has faced each other. The Giants are going in hearing all week from other sports media. They have no chance. Yeah. We have seen in the six games of this weekend, upset after upset after near upset after near upset. Mm -hmm. Dabble is giving them the pep talk they need. And I will say this. If they're tied at halftime against Philly next week. Right. Or winning, they're going to do that. They're going to beat them. So Philly needs to jump on them early. If they can get out to a 14 nothing, a 21 nothing early, yeah. they'll take the Giants out. I just I just don't see it happening. Philly's just way too good. Philly should be, and they've had a whole week to sit home and rest, but it all depends on how much the Giants are carrying the momentum of the win. If they feel lackadaisical, like we can just turn it on, you're going to be in trouble. But you defeated a team that you arguably should have been better than. Oh, absolutely. Arguably. Because Minnesota, we've said once, and we'll say it again to end their season on, pretenders. Mm-hmm. So better luck next season, and you're going to need a, another quarterback to get you over the hump. I'm sorry. Yeah. At this yeah. stage, it's yeah. a wrap. Uh, next game up was between the Cincinnati Bengals, who beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-17. to Joe Burrow, 23-32, 209 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Tyler Huntley, 17-29 uh, to for 226 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, 13 carries, 62 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Joe Mixon led Cincinnati, uh, 11 carries, 39 yards, no touchdowns. Jamar Chase led Cincinnati receiving uh, with nine catches, 84 yards, one touchdown. And then Mark Andrews led for Baltimore with five catches, 73 yards, and no touchdowns. We talk about near upsets. Goddamn. Cincinnati almost got bounced. Yeah, they did by like six inches. Yep. Probably less. One play sums this game up. Yeah. A QB sneak on the two-yard line that turned into a 98-yard return touchdown from Cincinnati. And fun fact, that player was mic'd up, uh, and the video is now online. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so you can go watch that video. That's the only thing you can really take home from this game. I mean, Sam Hubbard did what he needed to. Yeah. And put them in the the driver's seat to take the chip right now. Mm -hmm. Because... They sat there, and Baltimore matched them blow for blow. But for the chip of the AFC North, the chip of going to the next round of the playoffs, Cincinnati cashed in on a very crucial mistake. And I'm not blaming Tyler Huntley about this at all. He had the game of his life. And 226 and two touchdowns and one interception is nothing to sneeze at. And obviously everybody's going, well, you know, that's not a really big stat line. For him to come in in a position where they lost to the Bengals before. Mm-hmm and really leave it all out on the field. Obviously, without Lamar Jackson, Baltimore shouldn't have even been in this game, and yet he kept him in this game. Mm-hmm. 
So I applaud him for that. But this is where the playoff experience of Joe Burrow comes in. Oh, yeah. This is where the team didn't falter when they were you know, struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. They turned it on when they needed to. And like I say, when you get your defense to make a crucial play like that, that was game-changing. Yeah. The only thing that if I'm Cincinnati I'm a little worried about mm-hmm. is, let's not forget, there was a Hail Mary pass that almost came down for Baltimore. Less than six inches. Yep. That if they nail that, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah, no, you definitely got to give some praise to Tyler Huntley, which, let's face it, he's the backup. He's not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be uh, Lamar Jackson, which, again, Lamar, much like with uh, Buffalo barely beating Miami, if Lamar Jackson plays this game, I'm willing to bet Baltimore wins this game. Yeah. You know, it's it's a whole different ball game if Lamar Jackson's in there for a whole host of reasons. Uh, the other thing I got an issue with is J.K. Dobbins. Why is this man only got 13 carries, 62 yards, and no touchdowns? Like, seems a little off to me. Uh, the other wild thing I saw, this is from the Next Gen Stats Twitter account. Uh, this is the official account of the uh, NFL Next Gen Stats. Quote, how close was Tyler Huntley to crossing the plane with the football? Apparently there's microchips in these fuck, fucking footballs, which I did not know. I'm sure there's a lot of things. Uh, but they said, quote, according allegedly, to... Allegedly, allegedly. Quote, according to the chip in the football, the closest the ball got to the end zone was 0.6 yards from the goal line. Wow. Holy fuck. It's insane to think about. But that's how crazy the game is. And when you have a team that plays with nothing to lose... Yeah. And Baltimore shouldn't have even been in this game. This 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 shouldn't have been this close. Absolutely not. With Tyler Huntley instead of Lamar Jackson, please. No, I, I completely agree with you. Should, should have been like a tune-up game Alabama week one of the regular season. Facts. And I think that Cincinnati is lucky they got there. Next week, obviously, is going to be the marquee matchup, except now they'll be in Buffalo for this one. Yes. It's going to be 30 degrees. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a heavyweight bout of epic proportions. I'm not saying this just as a Bills fan. Emotions might be a little high. Just saying. I think that you're going to see a lot of emotions pour out. Certain someone might be on the field. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yeah. The the fans are going to be you know yelling their heads off. They're going to be just a lot of emotions pouring out from the players because this is, a, a, like I say, this is almost the AFC Championship. Yeah, recommendation to anybody listening who's going to be going to this game in Buffalo, bring earplugs. Yeah. I know it's not something you normally consider for a football game, but I'm going to bet the decibels are going to be like on the level of a rock concert, mm-hmm. and you're not going to want that tinnitus in your ear. Yeah. I mean, Buffalo, obviously, having this big of a game at home is huge. Cincinnati, yeah. who is going in with a chip on their shoulder, too. Yeah. You know, you have to remember they're, that. They're too. real pissed off about the whole playoff scenario, which... And I'm not talking about where they're seated, just where the possibility of where they could end up playing. Exactly. So that that's a whole thing. Like I said, that's the emotion pouring out here that this game is going to be highly contested. Yeah. This is going to come down to a last-minute kick from somebody. Probably. And I think that both teams, Buffalo and Cincinnati, are lucky they got here. They should have been bounced. Reasons. Yeah. Luckily for you know fans, they didn't, you know, of those teams. And I think this is going to be a situation that they're going to need to – vastly improve on moving forward on the flip side baltimore it's going to be an interesting offseason lamar jackson is free agent free agent i am going to stay i still believe he goes to vegas i, I think he's going to stay because i think they're going to franchise him they could franchise him but i he ain't, a, gonna, he ain't gonna be happy about it but they'll, they'll end up franchising him they could franchise but i think vegas is going to make the move because i thought it was going to be locked up for tom brady Obviously, with what we're going to go to for the next game. But I think after watching that game, 
I think all bets are off there. Yeah. And I think the Raiders are going to go all in on Lamar Jackson. I mean, they can want to all they want for a billion dollars. But, like, if the Ravens end up franchise tagging him, it ain't going to mean shit. Well, they can match and make some, yeah. make some like the crazier things have happened in football and pro sports. That's true. Too. So, yeah, I'm just saying I got this weird leap feeling that it's going to happen. Yeah. But with Baltimore, I mean, once you get your quarterback situated, you're going to need to get him some players around. Him I too. just couldn't believe that because I saw a photo of the odds somebody in Vegas, some sports book in Vegas put on the uh, teams to get Lamar Jackson. I couldn't even believe the Patriots made it on there. Well, they it, weren't the favorite, but they were like the second or third favorite. And I was like, fuck, really? Okay. Well, you got to remember, and this is the only time I'm going to segue into this area, uh, con- comparing the sale of the WWE to football. Yeah. I think if you have some, t- if you have an entity that has some money involved sure. and some space, sure, they're going to be thrown in this mix. Probably. Just how much of a serious contender they're going to be is a whole different ball of wax. Because I only think some teams could be in there just to drive the price up. Yeah, exactly. Some people are going to go in there, threaten they're going to make the deal, only to really (laughs) cause chaos. And this happens in all pro sports with any free agent. So don't 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 think. I mean, Carlos Correa come to mind. Oh fuck yeah! That man signed eight hundred million dollars and thirty one years worth of contracts. Yeah. Let that sink in for a sec, folks. Yeah. But we still have that one more game to talk about, and obviously Tom Brady Ooh. is making some noise for all the wrong reasons here. Yo, buddy. Uh, that was between the Dallas Cowboys, who beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-14. to uh, Dak Prescott, 25-33, 305 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Tom Brady, 35 of – fucking Christ, seriously? 35 of 66. Yeah. 351 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Rashad White led Tampa Bay in rushing with seven carries, 41 yards, zero touchdowns. Uh, Tony Pollard led Dallas in rushing with 15 carries, 77 yards, no touchdowns. Dalton Schultz led Dallas in receiving with seven catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. And then Chris Godwin led Tampa Bay in receiving with uh, 10 catches, 85 yards, and no touchdowns. Well... I think this is it for Tom Brady. Man's fucking old. I don't want to say he's done, but... He's setting way too many records for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Worst record since his rookie year. The only time he's been held scoreless in a playoff game since his rookie year. It's not good stats. It's not good stats, and obviously with him coming back, we all had mixed feelings about that at the beginning of the season. A little trepidation. Yeah, because he is Tom Brady, so you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He is who he is. There's a reason he's still playing. Exactly. But at this stage, at his age, father time has caught up to him. Uh huh. And I think for anybody that thought that they were going to pull off the Cinderella story, yours truly, I thought so too. Well, there is that weird stat that like since, what is it, like 2013, 2012 or something like that? The he's alternated winning and losing the Super yep. Bowls. Like he's lost one, then he's won one, then he lost one, then he won one. Well, he lost last. He didn't win last year, so everyone figured he'd win this year. Well, the situation is with him in the playoffs. It's much like Aaron Rodgers. Yes, there's certain names that all they have to do is get in, and anything is possible. And Brady has a mystique about him in the playoffs. Can't take anything away from him about. Just this. ask the Raiders about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that he commands that respect. And obviously, with Dallas being who Dallas is in this modern era of football, they are who we thought they were. They've had a very suspect yeah. record as of as yeah. of recently since the Tony Romo era. The Tony Romo era. Just, just even look at last week uh, against Sam Howell. 
of yeah. Washington Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. So this was a game that we all thought maybe Dallas is going to fumble the ball. I figured it would be closer. I figured it would be closer too, but listen, give Dak Prescott the flowers he deserves for this one. He played a masterful game. Yeah, he did. Four touchdowns, 305. You can't go wrong with that. The running game was looking decent. You know, Tony Pollard, he was doing everything he could for the for the team. Yeah. They were playing like the team they should be. And I want to stress, should be. Mm-hmm. We don't see this consistently enough. And it's one thing that I think you can talk to any Dallas fan, and we have a lot of them that listen to this show. This is true. That will tell you the same thing, that their defense is inconsistent at times mm-hmm. and it comes back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. If their defense decides to show up and lock somebody in, they're going to be fine. And you saw that with Parsons and company this game. Yeah. Because they gave Tom Brady fits. Oh, yeah. And obviously the defense played decently, I would say, for Dallas. You know, Tom Brady attempted 66 passes, yeah. completed 35 of them. You know, the fact that he attempted 66 passes is fucking absurd but the fact he only completed 35 hey kudos to you that's that's pretty damn good especially when it's brady in the playoffs and the fact you only held him to two touchdowns again that's a credit to that's a credit to dallas's defense yeah but there is the fact that he did shred them for 351 yards at the age of 45 oh i agree completely agree so it's a situation that dallas has to carry this momentum learn what they did right and carry it through. And Dak is going to have arguably the biggest test he's had all season. Yes. That San Francisco 49er defense is no joke. They're going to be wanting to drop him where he stands. Uh-huh, because uh, Dak in this game, one sack for uh, one sack for eight yards. Uh, just saying, uh, that's not going to be the case this coming weekend. Right. Uh, San Francisco is going to try and eat him alive. 49ers are too good. Yeah, they are. That's going to be the real test. But on the flip side, though, if Micah Parsons and company can shut down Brock Purdy, yeah, things get interesting then. Yeah, it does. Because if they can slow him down and they really shut down McCaffrey, I think McCaffrey is going to be the bigger test that's, for him. That's the big key. Yeah, if you can shut him down. I think if they can pull that off, Dallas has got a real good chance to win. Because that's the thing I've noticed with like the San Francisco games, especially since Purdy's taken over, is McCaffrey's always got monster numbers. Mm-hmm. Like Obviously, Debo had a monster game this week, but anomaly. It's an anomaly in the stats. I, I agree with you. I think if they can shut McCaffrey down, then you've got a real, real good shot. I'm not going to say it's a guarantee. It's not a lock, but, but your your percentages are going up. Yeah, like if I have to say if it's if it's tied at halftime, or even if Dallas is up by three, I think they sneak by and win. I could say it, but I don't doubt this 49er team. <laughs> Let's just hope it doesn't come down to a field goal. Oh, <laughs> oh fucking Christ. atrocious kicking! I I don't even know where you can even comment Jesus. about that. Oh, I I had to laugh, and I I feel bad for laughing, but. It was brought up during the Manning cast. I forget if it was Peyton or Eli who said it. But after, like, the third missed kick from the, the kicker for Dallas, uh, I, I think it might have been Peyton. Peyton said, has, has anyone ever been cut from a team in the middle of a playoff game? Yeah, Brett Maher. Brett Maher, god damn. One for five on extra points. Uh-huh. Ugh. <laughs> Not what you want. No. You can't have this if you're going to be a Super Bowl winning team. Or no. contender. Just, just ask Adam Vinatieri. Uh-huh. It's a weird world with this happening, but Tom Brady is now heading to the offseason. His press conference was a little telling that this is going to yeah. be – He's done in Tampa. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So the question now is, does he go to Vegas? Does he finally go to Fox Sports as they've been waiting for him to come? So he's got a deal done. 
That's going to be the real question mark for him this offseason. Just, just hanging up. I think so, too. We're approaching Chuck Liddell, end of his career levels of I don't want to see this. And that's the whole point, too. I know that there was some wild talk I heard on, I want to say, first take this morning. Sure. That they were saying he should go to San Francisco next year. There's been, well, at the... The connection there is, you know, he grew up in California. That was his childhood team he grew up rooting for. So even when he left New England, there were rumblings he was going to go there. So there's been rumblings of that for a while. I mean, there's rumblings for Vegas. There's rumblings for uh, San Francisco. There's rumblings he'll go back to New England for one more year. There's everywhere. Right, but I think if you're San Francisco, you can't bench Brock Purdy. No. You, not after if he, if he leads you any further in these playoffs, you can't bench him. Hell no. Regardless, I don't care. Tom Brady, see if Tom Brady's 27 and walking through there, that's oh, a different absolutely, story. Oh, absolutely. That's a different story. Tom Brady at 58 or whatever he is. Well, he'll be 46 by the time the same next thing. season. He'll be 46 by the time the season rolls around. Yeah, and NFL years is the same thing. But that's going to be the situation you have. You can't put him in there and, and sit the kid that's carried you literally to the playoffs out of nowhere. Yeah. You have the diamond in the rough. And any nonsense of sitting him for anybody is absolutely crazy. The kids earned the starting job. Like, congratulations, John Lynch and company. You have your franchise quarterback, and you got to move your first-round pick. Struck pay dirt. Yeah. So who knows where you know Trey Lance is going to wind up. <laughs> I feel bad for that kid. Yeah, that's going to be a messy situation for them in the offseason, but not as messy as Tom Brady's decision that he's going to have to make. And it's an easy one to do. At this stage, there's no shame in going to the broadcast booth. No. You're going to be the most watched show wherever you're on. Oh, God, yeah. Even beating Romo and company at CBS. They might be getting paid more than because uh, Romo's. it's either Romo or Aikman that gets paid the most. He's going to be close if not beating them. Yeah, he'll be up. Like he'll, I say, you'll be making your money, but he'll be drawing the ratings. Like they say, T- Tom Brady will bring in a fan base, and he is Tom Brady. So I mean, who's not going to want to hear the most winning quarterback of Super Bowls of all time? As long as he doesn't go like Drew Brees, as long as he's better than Drew Brees was. Yeah, Drew Brees, great quarterback, not a good color commentator. Yeah, but Brady, I think, well, he's Brady is better in front of a camera. This is true. Like and all true. all forms of media, very charismatic. Yeah, so like I say, I think he'll stand out a little bit more than Breeze does. Yeah, but that's you know, you know, a question we'll have to find out this off season. As for Dallas, good luck this weekend. Yeah. You're going to need it. Yeah. So uh, speaking of this upcoming weekend, we got the divisional round of games, which I will run through those and the times and the networks there. On uh, bear in mind that some of these, this is the listed start time because of the way that some of the games length of some of the games might go. They might get delayed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's taking place on Saturday, January 21st uh, at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, taking place at 8.15 on Fox, you will have the New York Football Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Taking place on Sunday, January 22nd uh, at 3 o'clock Eastern on CBS, you have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Buffalo Bills. And then at eight or excuse me, six thirty p.m. Eastern on Fox, you have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the San Francisco 49ers. That's got to be because San Francisco—it's a home game for San Francisco. It is indeed that, that late. Okay, because I was indeed. like, that's super late. For yeah, me. I read all of those games as away team, home team. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah, Kansas City, Philly, Buffalo, and San Fran are home teams. Early predictions before we close this segment out, Pad. Uh, Kansas City is going to beat Jacksonville. Uh, Agreed. Philly's going to beat the Giants. Uh, Cincinnati's going to beat Buffalo, uh, and then San Fran's going to beat Dallas. I agree with you about Kansas City and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the Bills are going to pull some magic out. It's going to be an ugly game, though. 
it's going to be either a 45 to 41 fest mm-hmm. or it's going to be a 17 to 14 game. All I know is if it comes down to kickers, I trust Evan McPherson a lot more than I do Tyler Bass. Uh, same here, but I'm hoping it doesn't <laughs> get there. I'm hoping it's just like a, a, a missed snap somewhere. And I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm just going to roll the dice a little bit. I think the Giants might sneak away an upset. I, I don't think so. It's it's not going to be pretty. It, it'll be something really weird like a fluke interception ran back. But I'm going to say I got this weird, weird feeling the Giants might sneak in there and just shock the world. But that said, hit us up on the hashtag. Hashtag ODPHpod. Wildcard weekend is officially in the books. Who you got for the games this weekend? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com whether it's DC, Marvel, comics or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and it's time to talk about a big UFC event uh-huh. because the UFC is back in pay-per-view action, UFC 283, but there was a an announcement that upstaged it. Yeah. That we have to address because I didn't think this fight was going to happen. Yeah. And yet here we are. Ten years in the making. Break it down, Pat. So it was announced by Dana White uh, this past weekend after whatever took place this past weekend. It was a UFC. I think it was, it was a fight night. Fight night on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, but it was announced that uh, the UFC, and, and I'm building something here, so bear with me. UFC and Francis Ngannou could not come to an agreement on a new contract, so Francis Ngannou relinquished the UFC heavyweight uh, championship, so it's an open championship, there's no champion. As a result, there will be a matchup uh, for said UFC vacant UFC heavyweight championship uh, taking place on March 4th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, between one serial gone and making his heavyweight debut, John Bones Jones. Well... Here we are. It's only taken 10 years because 10 years, about this time 10 years ago, uh, John Jones said, you know, next couple of years I'm going to move up to heavyweight and have a fight at heavyweight. Well, 10 years later, here we are. Exactly. John Jones, arguably the most polarizing figure in all of mixed martial arts. It's it's 1A, 1B. Yeah. (laughs) With him. Who you put in 1B, it's up to you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, With him, obviously came out the gate undefeated yep. and really set the tone for what should have been a legacy career. Albeit he has had many, many yeah. off off cage incidents 
that we could spend a whole podcast discussing. His, I'm going to his Wikipedia page. I mean, the man's got an entire section just devoted to controversies with five different subsections. Yeah. You know, eye pokes, Daniel Cormier altercation. There's the hit and run conviction, the domestic violence arrest, and then a section just titled other legal troubles. Yeah. Not good. Not good for somebody that should have been a legendary figure in the sport and Mm -hmm. been Mm -hmm. arguably considered in the greatest fighter of all time conversation. Yeah, not so much anymore. You can't say that because of the inconsistency due to the off-cage incidents. Yeah. And like I say, there's a, there's so many of them. To, like, where do you even begin? Yeah. But when he made that transition into the quote-unquote heel persona, if we're going to use wrestling terms against Daniel Cormier, things started going very downhill fast. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, John has not fought in a while for various reasons, but the overall consensus was after he got his stuff together, he was going to move up to heavyweight. Uh, last fight was on February the 8th, 2020 against Dominic Reyes, which was a unanimous decision victory. Right, which he, Reyes had him the first two rounds and then gassed out. Yep. So John has not looked dominant in his last few fights. We have to stress that. Yeah. In the light heavyweight division. And then time is off. He has been putting on mass. He is going to be stepping into the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much he's been walking around at. He's been bulking up for so goddamn long. He should be used to it by now. Exactly. So he should be at a comfortable weight to fight at this class. Because I want to say I read some stories going on three years ago now that he was getting into some like weightlifting programs that were designed for bulking up and, mm-hmm. and, and gaining mass for this type of transition. So he's been at this long enough, and, and he's been fighting long enough that th- this shouldn't be an issue. Well, he's, he hasn't fought in three years. That's an issue. Like, that's the whole thing. That's yeah. an issue. That's a big issue. That's a big question mark coming into this fight. What kind of condition is he in? I mean, sure. Ring rust is a thing. Yeah, he could be lifting all the weights he can, and he can come out there looking like, you know, a creator wrestler. Right. And I've said before, I'll say it again, you can have as many sparring sessions against whoever the fuck you want to. You can, you can have a gauntlet style match in WWE, mm-hmm. you know, where you run through five of the greatest fighters of all time in your, in your sparring session. It don't mean fucking shit. When you get to the actual fight to fight, uh, or guys trying to take your head off. Exactly. So that said, it was long rumored that he would be fighting CPA Miosic. Yep. Francis Ngannou was working on his own contract issues. Allegedly, he was offered the biggest heavyweight contract in UFC history and turned it down. And and allegedly, according to Francis Ngannou, I read today, he made three pitches for a heavyweight title fight, one of which being John Jones. Yeah, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I'll say the numbers were clearly not being exchanged right. Yeah, something's going on. There was a big miscommunication on somebody's end, whether it's the UFC and Dana White or Francis Ngannou and his team. But the end result is still the same, that Ngannou is gone, arguably going to boxing, arguably going WWE, arguably going to Bellator, Bellator, PFL, wherever. He is gone from the UFC. My bet, night one, WrestleMania, him versus Lesnar. Not doubting that they would not have him come in for something because... He's not going to be fighting. Obviously, I think boxing is a smart way to go. Him and Tyson Fury, yeah, you can make that happen, yeah. or you know, you can get him there with somebody. I think you can make some money happen. But this goes back to the UFC though, and John Jones. So John has been waiting in the wings. All he's been doing is lifting and getting himself in shape for it. Yep. Cyril Gon was a name that was getting thrown around. If Miosic wasn't able to fight, because Miosic, I know, is in the back end of his career, obviously, yeah, 
is more involved in doing uh, firefighting, I believe, in Cleveland. Yes. So it was just a sense of who was going to be the, the welcome opponent for John. Now, Gon is here, interim heavyweight title. Well, actually, the real heavyweight title. Well, so it's, it's, not an, it's not interim. It's, a, it's vacant, yeah. And John is coming in as a big underdog. Like, that's the big thing to remember with this. Uh, the other thing, too, we have to note is after it was announced this fight was taking place, it was also announced John signed a new eight-fight deal with the UFC. Yeah. Which is wild. How are you? Yeah, I was going to say, how are you feeling about that? Uh, well, let me pull up his age because, I, admittedly, while he is from our local area, I do not know how old he is. Uh, he is 35 years old. He'll turn 36 in July. Uh, so fighting eight more fights at 35. Yeah, not, not sure how I feel about that. Well, the question mark is, can he actually get to the fights? And yeah, that is. Yeah. Big, big ask. Like, we can't lie about it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He's fucked up. He's had his issues. Yeah. Of either allegedly, you know, uh, steroid or yeah. performance enhancers. I'm sorry the, to, the to pe- clarify. Picograms. Allegedly the picograms and yeah. you know just he's he's had too much stuff off off field. If, you, if you're not familiar with well, all the off uh off the outside the cage incidents, go to his Wikipedia page. There's a whole section. No, that's the whole thing. Like we can't go into the, everything. It's just he's got himself in more trouble with the powers that be, whether it be the law or whether it be uh the Nevada State Athletic Commission like he's had unfortunate issues yeah that that are preventing him from fighting consistently so if i'm Dana White i'm offering him this money i'm locking him up long term in the hopes that he's finally ready to do this mhm but the, that's a big question mark you're going to have because if he fights in with gone let's say he wins yeah well he's got to make sure that he's on the straight and narrow path so you can fight again, and you get your money back for this. To sign him for this long term of a deal—that's a—that's a risk. It's a big risk, knowing his past. I'd, I'd sign him for maybe two, three tops, and then I'd go from there. I'd do a four fight, and that way you lock him in for two years. You're going to get him at his prime. So by the time it's done, he's 38. Yeah, and then you can kind of decide what you want to do from there. If he's still fighting at a high level, you can renegotiate the contract and make something happen. Prefer an eight-fight deal, and that and usually, usually those fights are around six-fight deals, to say the least. So I know they give him a benefit of the doubt, but they also don't want him going into the same route that Ngannou is. Right. That, okay, we give you a short contract, you're the champion, and then all of a sudden we want to get more money. And Dana doesn't want to do it because of reasons. It's a weird situation, but the only thing that we can say for certain is John is back for now. For now. He's got a fight against Cyril Gan that is not an easy task by any stretch of the means, and it depends if he can just turn on that fighting style that everybody knew when he was a light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. If he can't do it, this is all for nothing, and his legacy is going to be tarnished. I'm sorry. He needs this win worse than anybody, more so than Gan does. Yeah, well, the, the the legacy's already tarnished. You know, It just depends on how much bigger that black guy is going to get. Oh, exactly, because now he comes back, and if he doesn't get it, He's going to just put, you know, more doubt about was he what was the potential? What was he, he ever going to be? He needs to win this fight just because he's been talking about this. I because I saw it on Facebook that whatever it was like January, whatever date was, twenty thirteen. He talked about moving up to heavyweight in the next couple of years. He's been talking about this for ten years. He's been talking about for his entire run of how great he is, how he's one of the greatest of all time. You know, and and he needs so he needs to win this fight because otherwise he'll just be another name in history that a lot of fans won't remember. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting scenario to see how it all plays out. But I think that he's definitely gonna work through some issues. And now that we're getting here, I want to see this fight actually happen. So until it does, I'm kind of putting in that perspective of 
I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. When we get to fight week and he weighs in and everything's all good, then yeah. we kind of have a better prediction about it. But still. I'll, I won't even believe it then. I'll believe it when he's walking out. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the situation we have at hand. And for Nganu, a lot of question marks for his future moving forward because it's a lot of hearsay right now. Yeah, this is true. So depending on what side you believe, I think he's ultimately going to wind up going to boxing. And, and unless they pull off a Hail Mary and they can re-sign him to fight the winner of Gone and Jones after this. That's still a possibility that we're all saying, oh, he's gone, but it's not for good. Mm-hmm. Weirder things have happened in the land of combat sports. It's true. Such as the main event for the card that we're going to be discussing, but we definitely want to talk about the main card in general. And there's definitely some great fights to be had here at UFC 283. So, yeah. bad, let's break it down. Yeah, so UFC 283 is taking place uh, this Saturday, January 21st, from uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Uh, and I'm going to go through the main card here. Uh, the first fight on the main card is in the light heavyweight division between Paul Craig and our former favorite, not sure if he's our favorite anymore, uh, fighter Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is a character. That's the easiest way to describe him. I, You never know what you're going to get out of him. So this should be an interesting matchup. Paul Craig is no slouch in his own right, 16-5. and five. So One draw. Yeah, this could be one that could go either way. It's hard to go against Johnny Walker, but at the same time, the much highly touted prospect is really kind of fizzled out. Uh-huh. So looking at his record pad. Uh, yeah, so Johnny Walker in 26 professional matches has a record of 19 wins, 7 losses, currently on a one-fight losing, or excuse me, one-fight winning streak, uh, winning his last fight via uh, rear naked choke submission that was back at UFC 279. Prior to that, he was on a two-fight losing streak, losing to Jamal Hall Hill via knockout, and then Tiago Santos via uh, unanimous decision. Yeah, so who you got in this one? Uh, I'm going to say Paul Craig. Uh, Johnny Walker's just wait. You know, ever since he came over to the UFC, you know, he had a stretch there where you know he was on Dana White's Contender Series, and then he was on some fight nights where he had some wins, and he put together what is it, one, two, three, four wins in a row when he came over to the UFC, and then he took his first loss in the UFC to Corey Anderson. Uh, that was back in uh, November of 2019. You know, two losses, then a win. Two more losses, then a win. Well, if I'm following history, you know, two losses, win. Two losses, win. Something tells me, mm, do for another loss. He, he's just too inconsistent. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for the upset win, but I think it's going to be Paul Craig all day. Uh, next up is in the women's flyweight division between Jessica Andrade taking on Lauren Murphy. This is going to be a very, very solid fight. Andrade obviously is coming in with you know something to prove here, I think. Sure. Obviously, moving being in the flyweight division that's one that we are keeping an eye on here uh-huh. for the future for the ufc because they're doing a lot of interesting fights here and trying to really find a, a, a big contender because obviously with shevchenko being the women's flyweight champion it's like a matter of who's next mm-hmm. and obviously she's more or less cleaned out the entire division so where do you go from here so i think anybody that can really make an impressive performance might get that shot and Andrade was, was one I don't doubt. Lauren Murphy, though, is going to give her all she can handle, though, too. Right. So, like I say, it's going to be an exciting fight. Uh, I think Andrade, though, is going to try making this a ground and pound. I think that she's going to just push her up against the cage and just really try some dirty boxing, really trying to control the tempo of this. So Murphy's really got to bring some A game to stay out of the reach. But I'm going to say Andrade by decision. Uh, so looking at the records, you've got uh, Jessica Andrade in 32 professional matches, has a record of 23 wins, 9 losses, currently on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, she beat Amanda Lemos uh, via standing arm triangle choke uh, submission in her last fight. That was back in April of 2022. Uh, and then she beat Cynthia uh, Calvillo via TKO. That was in September of 2021. 
Uh, and then Lauren Murphy in 21 professional matches has a record of 16 wins, five losses, currently on a one-fight winning streak, beating Misha Tate by unanimous decision. That was back in July of last year. Uh, I'm going to say Andrade. I think she's a little more battle-tested and ready for this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up is in the welterweight division between Gilbert Burns taking on Neil Magny. Well, this is an interesting one for the welterweight division. Gilbert Burns has a feeling that he's a couple of fights away from getting a title shot again. Okay. I don't know if that's exactly going to fall in his cards, so to speak, but he does have a very tough test in Magny. And the one thing that we have to stress is Magny is not a very, very uh, flashy. Thank you. Exciting, flashy fighter. Uh, and so he's got 27 wins in his record, does Magny. Uh, 16 of them are by decision. Yeah. Like I say, he's very technical, much like Leon Edwards is. So you're not going to get any real crazy highlights, yeah. but it's going to be a solid fight. And looking at their records, though, I mean, what can you really say about this other than it's pretty, I, in my opinion, it's, it's closer than people think. Yeah, so uh, Gilbert Burns in 25 professional matches has a record of 20 wins, five losses, currently on a one-fight losing streak. He lost to Kazmat Chimeyev in his last fight via the unanimous decision. That was back in April of last year. Uh, prior to that, he was on a one-fight winning streak, beating Stephen Thompson by unanimous decision. That was in July of 2021. Uh, and Neil Magny, 36 professional matches, 27 wins, as I mentioned, nine losses, currently on a one-fight winning streak, beating Daniel Rodriguez with a uh, Darsh choke submission. That was back in November of last year. Uh, prior to that, he lost his fight uh, via guillotine choke submission. That was in June of last year. So that said, it's going to be a pretty equal fight, like I say. Burns has a, a has a crazy notion. I mean, I think part of him even thinks he won that Chimea fight, which probably is debatable. Very debatable. But I think this could go right down the middle, and I I do like Burns in this, but I'm not super confident about this. Yeah, I'm going to say Burns split decision. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because, I mean, Magny's best bet is to keep the striking at a distance, make Burns work because Burns wants to get him into some crazy submission. Or if he gets enough you know, strikes in to land on him, he definitely has some hands on him. But obviously, jiu-jitsu is more of his uh, bread and butter, so to speak. Right. So if Magny can stick and move and keep it at a distance, I think he's got a good chance to sneak this one out. But it's going to be close. Next up is the co-main event. Or I, I, I should also say I'm going to give it to, like I said, Gilbert Burns uh, split decision. Uh, and then the co-main event of the evening is in the flyweight division for the uh, unified, I guess you could say, uh, flyweight championship uh, between the champion Devison Figueredo taking on the interim champion Brandon Moreno for the third time. Well, the UFC's version of Fight Forever strikes again. <laughs> Once a year for the last three years. I don't know necessarily what this means about the flyweight division for the men's side, but they do have some very talented fighters in there. I mean, Kara Kara France is one that you definitely want to keep your eye on for. Uh, Pantanoi is another one, too. So they do have some contenders that are making some noise in that division. However, though... I don't know if I'm looking at anybody right now that I, that I think could take the belt from either one of these guys. But that's why we're at this weird fight forever stance, and this is with weight cuts and all types of nonsense. These guys have a very historic rivalry in the UFC that I think deserves a bigger profile sure. than it's gotten. Because this is going to be an exciting fight. But 
This is almost in the same vein of a Kevin Steen versus Sami Zayn match. Sure. You know both people involved are going to bring it. It's going to be a highly entertaining match. You don't know how it's going to end, and you know you're probably going to see this again. Probably. That said, break down the records for me, Pat. Yeah, so uh, Devston Figueredo in 24 professional matches has a record of 21 wins, two losses, one draw, currently on a one-fight winning streak. Uh, He beat Brandon Moreno via unanimous decision at UFC 270. That was back in January of last year. Uh, That was for the UFC Flyweight Championship. Uh, Prior to that, he was on a one-fight losing streak, losing to Brandon Moreno uh, via the rear naked choke submission. That was back in June of 2021. Uh, well, shit, this is Moreno part four. Yeah. Uh, so then prior to that, there was a draw, majority draw against Brandon Moreno at UFC 256. That was in December of 2020. Uh, and then looking over at uh, Brandon Moreno in the 28 professional matches, has, he has a record of 20 wins, six losses, two draws, currently on a one fight winning streak, uh, beating Kai Car France via TKO. That was at UFC 277 in July of last year. Uh, this was that was for the interim UFC flyweight championship. Uh, and then prior to that, he uh, lost one against Devin Devson Figueredo and won one against Devson Figueredo and then had the draw. Yeah, like I say, that whole division can be summed up by that. You could have somebody that took a loss like here of France, and they could still be back in that title picture very easily. Yep. Because it's a lack of depth. But you have your two elite fighters here going at it. Moreno is more of the surprise story. Figueredo, since he's been in this division, has been an absolute monster. Yeah. That said, flip a coin. I don't even. Seriously. I mean, I'm going to say I'm going to go with Moreno just for reasons. Yeah. But this could go either way. I think there's going to be another decision. And I think it's going to be a split decision, and I think they're probably going to get number five, probably coming out of this. That's probably it, it's probably going to be another draw, and then we're going to get the fifth one of these. Oh, uh, probably. Uh, looking at the main event that is in the light heavyweight division between Glover Teixeira taking on Jamal Hall Hill. So this is a very very interesting one because obviously we don't have a light heavyweight champion right now. This is true. You know, Yuri gave up the title. Obviously, he's coming back uh, at some point. From his shoulder surgery, yep. we don't know when yep. he'll get the first title shot when he comes back. So Shoulders are messy. Yeah, he did the smart thing and relinquished the belt. He didn't want to hold up the division. We just had Magnov and Blahovitz go, and that was a dud. Yep. That nobody won in that one. <laughs> another draw, or no decision, rather. Or, no, it was a draw. Yeah. But it was so bad, I just want to forget it. Like, I don't even want to remember watching it. So... Dana immediately made this match for the heavyweight title or the light Light heavyweight heavyweight title. title, Yeah. And you have to look at this and go Glover Teixeira is finally getting his rematch. He is on the wrong side of 40, (laughs) 43 years old. Can he find some kind of miracle win here against Jamal Hill? Cause Hill 11 and one should win this outright. Over 10 years younger than him. Yeah. This should not be a contest. It really shouldn't. But whatever Glover Teixeira is doing to get ready for these fights is working at this stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's going to make a run, but I will go on a bold prediction. I think he gets the W here. Okay. I, th- I think he catches the kids sleeping in the second round and gets him with a with a guillotine choke. 
Uh, looking at the records here, you got Glover Teixeira, who in 41, yes, that's right, folks, 41 professional matches, has a record of 33 wins, 8 losses, currently on a one-fight losing streak, losing to Jiri uh, Procheca via rear naked choke submission. That was back in June of last year. Prior to that, he was on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6-fight winning streak, uh, beating the likes of Carl Robertson, uh, John uh, Kutalaba, Nikita Krylov, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, and Jan Blahovitz. So kind of a who's who of that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over on the flip side, you have uh, Jamal Hall Hill uh, in 13 professional matches, has a record of one, 11 wins, one loss, one no contest, currently on a three-fight winning streak, beating Tiago Santos via uh, TKO in his last fight. That was in August of last year. Uh, knocking out Johnny Walker, that was in February of last year. Uh, and then knocking out uh, Jimmy Crew, that was in uh, December of 2021. Uh, his last loss came against Paul Craig. That was uh, at UFC 263 in June of 2021. Yeah. Like I say, it should be Hill all day. That's what that's what I'm going with. Yeah, and I don't fault anybody for going for that. I'm just going to take the long shot. Three knockout wins in a row, ten, over 10 years younger than him. Uh, what is it, Glover now 43? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's uh, hitting the clock's hitting midnight. Oh, it definitely should. But I'm just, I got this weird feeling. That he's gonna sneak, a, like I say, he's gonna sneak a guillotine choke in. Maybe it's gonna be a weird thing. Nobody's gonna see it coming. I think he wins, and you know what? I would laugh if he goes. I relinquish the belt. Oh, that'd be great. I just wanted to win it once more time, and I'm I, good. I just wanted Dana to put it around me one more time. Yep, and he just walks away. So, like I say, overall UFC 283 has got some headlines, albeit though it's upstaged by the John Jones talk, and obviously with his legacy in the light heavyweight division. There is a lot of expectations to be had because he dominated for so long, and I believe the stat is there's been three champions since. Yes. Uh, between him and Daniel Cormier, there were two champions in that division over the course of like 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Uh, since they both retired, which has not been that long, uh, there's been three. Yeah. So it's a weird scenario to see play out, but nevertheless, here we are. So that said, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about John Jones coming back? And what do you think he's going to do in the heavyweight division, if anything? What do you think Francis Ngannou is doing next? A lot of talk boxing, a lot of talk wrestling, a lot of talk going into Bellator or PFL. So many possibilities. We want to know what you think. And then also, what is your predictions for UFC 283? How are you feeling about that fight? The main event, how are you feeling about the other fights? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Gotta talk some local minute. Uh, looking at the Binghamton Black Bears and the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League. Uh, the Binghamton Black Bears still in second place. Uh, Dan Barry ahead of them in first place with a record of 21 wins, three losses, and then three losses coming in overtime or shootout. Binghamton second place with 19 wins, six losses, and two losses in overtime or shootouts. Uh, looking at their record from this past week, uh, they had two games, uh, both of them against the Watertown Wolves. They won the game 
game on Friday, January 13th, uh, by the final score of 6-2. That was on the road. And then they came back home and won again uh, by the final score of 5-1. to one. Uh, Looking ahead to this upcoming weekend, they are on the road for both games. Uh, Friday, January 20th at 7.35 p.m. Eastern, they are playing the Elmira Mammoth. Uh, and then on Saturday, January 21st, uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern, they are playing the Danbury Hattricks. Don't worry, though. They come home uh, this fall, the following weekend for a home game against Danbury on January 27th. Uh, so for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Uh, also going to talk some hot, uh, lacrosse. Coach Duffy not here, but we got to fill in for him a little bit because the Professional Box Lacrosse Association did kick off here in Binghamton uh, with our own Binghamton Bombers uh, playing their inaugural season here at, uh, locally in the 607. Uh, and looking at the standings there currently, what is this, uh, tied for second place, I guess, technically. Uh, there are three other teams ahead of them, but there's two tied at the top with a record of 2-1. and one. You've got the Jim Thorpe All-Americans and the Trenton Terror, uh, both 2-1. and one. Uh, and then you've got the New England Chowderheads. That's a great name. Uh, and the Binghamton Bombers, uh, also the Hampton Hammerheads and the Elmira Renegades and the Charlotte Bootleggers, uh, all tied with a record of 1-1. One and one. Uh, Looking at their schedule from this past week, they had a game on Friday uh, where they played the Spark, uh, where they won by the final score of 17-11. to 11. Uh, their next game is on Saturday, uh, January 28th at 7 o'clock Eastern in Binghamton, where they're taking on the All-Americans. Uh, more tickets, information, all that good stuff, uh, go to pbla.com. Or hit up Coach Duffy on Twitter because yes. I know he has been following this. We are waiting on the vlog from him. He was also on color commentary for wherever the hell the game was broadcasted from. Yeah. So Coach has been putting in some work, but yeah. he is he's a little late on sending it to the podcast. So at Coach Duffy eleven on Twitter and let him know that you're looking for that commentary. We definitely are. I know he's a little tied up with the Giants being in the playoffs. It, it's something he doesn't see all he's, the time. He's mourning the loss of Alabama not winning the national title. Yes, he is. We should have a quick moment he's for him. Also, he's also mourning uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels not doing well. Oh, let him know. Let him know. Uh, but in all seriousness, there is one more local team that we need to discuss. Yeah. That's those Binghamton Bulldogs. Hell yeah. So this past weekend, they were facing the Catskill Cardinals. Okay. And decided to get a big W, 139-91. to Goddamn. So they are still your reigning, defending, number one ranked ABA team with a record of 11-0. and Wow. So that's a huge that's step for them for the sixth week in a row. Wow. So this is a very big deal. This week at the Bulldog Sport Complex locally, mm-hmm. they are facing the number four Wyoming Valley Clutch. Okay. They are 8-0. Ooh, something's got to give. So something's got to give. It's a hot ticket in town. So if you're looking to go there, BinghamtonBulldogs.com has got all the information you need. Hit them up on Facebook. They're very active there as well. Uh, we'll kind of have to wait to see. Maybe we'll make an appearance down there. I don't know. Schedules are kind of a little tight this weekend, but definitely go support them because, like I say, this is a very, very big deal. I don't think that, in my opinion, there's been a big deal like this since Syracuse came to town Probably uh, a couple not. seasons ago. And Probably that, not. And that was a monster atmosphere for a game. So if you got the chance to get down there and support the Bulldogs, make sure to go do it. 
And like I say, all information for that, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit of boxing news because uh, it was announced, uh, or I guess confirmed, uh, that Jake Paul is going to be taking on his next opponent. Uh, that is February 25th. And the reason we're talking about this is because uh, he's taking on an actual boxer. Uh, so oh. running through his record, in case you don't know, he's never actually faced an actual boxer. Uh, his first professional, uh, air quotes, fight was against the YouTuber KSI. Uh, then he fought the former basketball player, Nate Robinson. Then he fought the MMA fighter, Ben Askren. Then he fought Tyron Woodley twice. And then he fought Anderson Silva. So he's fought fighters, but not an actual boxer. Uh, but now according to quote unquote sources, uh, this from Mark Ramondi, uh, of ESPN.com, uh, he's going to be taking on one Tommy Fury on the Fe- February 25th. Uh, so reading from an article on ESPN.com, it says, quote, the third time is apparently the charm for Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. Paul, the YouTuber, YouTube star turned prize fighter and Fury have agreed to fight February 25th in Saudi Arabia. Sources confirmed to ESPN's Mike Coppinger on Tuesday. Uh, this is the third time the two have booked a fight with one another, though they have still not gotten into the ring together. Close quote. Well, Jake Paul, love him or hate him. Knows how to move the needle. This is true. So does his brother, Logan. This is an interesting predicament for boxing because now Jake has really got a test in front of him. I'm sorry, Anderson Silva at this stage doesn't matter. No. The luster is gone. He's 40. Anderson Silva 15 years ago? Absolutely. Yeah, but now, no. Tyrone Woodley. He knocked him out once and then a split decision. Yeah, this there's nothing there for him, unfortunately. He had a great UFC run, but... Unfortunately, now not he's it, when you're not a, a full time boxer, it's tough to make that transition. Right. There's only a few fighters that do that boxing slash MMA and can pull that off. Nate Diaz is one of them. Oh boy, yeah, he is. And trust me when I say this, that fight is happening this year. That's probably the safest lock I can make unless some catastrophic incident happens and it doesn't go down. Right. There's already been like some buildup happening. I would not doubt that after this fight, win, lose, or draw, Jake calls out Nate. Nate's in the building. Chaos ensues. War Stockton. Yeah. I think that might be the only time that we actually chip in to go get a Jake Paul boxing match. Boy, it's going to make it tough to say no. That, I, I'm just I, – I, that might be a 607 podcast night. We, we might have to get everybody on board for this. But this is going to be a, a true test to see if Jake Paul is the – Deal. I don't want to say real deal because he hasn't fought anybody yet. Right. But this will be a, a this is a huge test for him. We do know that he does train and does take the sport very seriously, which I do respect that aspect. Yeah. But I want to see something out of him, and if he can actually make something happen here, more power to him. But I'm telling you, the fight that will probably have everybody talking, and love it or hate it, it's going to happen. Is him and Nate Diaz. Oh yeah, and that's going to be absolutely out of control. I just, I'm just kind of curious at the weight classes. That's that's going to be the only thing that throws me off for a bit, because I think if Nate can bulk up, and I'm not saying he's going to be fighting at like 185, but I'm curious at what Jake cuts down to to get the for the good weight class. Right, be an interesting time to see, but definitely keep our eyes out for that. Absolutely. And then last but not least, we do have to talk some wrestling. Oh yeah, and we just want to echo the statements made on 607 TWS. Obviously, if you've been following the, both shows, ODPH and 607 TWS, you know that we have had a very open stance concerning what is going on with Vince McMahon returning and the quote-unquote sale that is going on. Yep. And 
we're not going to dive into the details of a sale until it is actually a sale. Mm -hmm. Last week on social media, a lot of quote unquote, and I do mean quote unquote wrestling journalists, went crazy claiming that a deal was done on a publicly traded company. Yep. Instantly. Yeah, within uh, last week was slightly insane because everyone was, uh, not everyone, a a lot of folks were saying the deal was done. You know, it was the biggest story in wrestling history and yada, yada, yada. And for about a half hour, 45 minutes, the internet was a slight madhouse in terms of the IWC, the internet wrestling community. Mm -hmm. Cooler heads prevailed and common sense prevailed, but until we start hearing some firm things, you know, coming from filings with the SEC, you know, or coming from, you know, reputable news sites like uh, or financial sites, I guess you could say, like yeah. the, like the Wall Street Journal or CNBC here in the States, which is one of, if not the biggest uh, financial news networks in the United States. We're not going to get into it. it. It's all just rumors and hearsay. Exactly. And that's why we're just giving you, the wrestling audience that does listen to the show and does listen to 607 TWS, the honest truth. There's nothing to worry about until it actually happens. Right. Anything else is fantasy booking or speculation. Mm-hmm. Nobody has an inside track on this that is going to break it before it goes to the stockholders. Well, I thought you had the inside track because you're buying it. Well, I know. That rumor came out. I mean, I've been linked to another wrestling organization. <laughs> but trust me, that deal is not going through anytime soon. Darn. But that said, if... Fans just want to enjoy the product. Yeah. Because the only thing we know for certain as of right now as we're recording, Triple H is still the head of creative. Yes. That's the only thing fans of the WWE should care about. Yeah. Vince, back, scumbag move, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I think Pat echoes that statement. No, I I do too. It's like something out of a fucking HBO show. Yeah. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah, forcing his way back in. And obviously Stephanie McMahon is resigned as CEO or chairwoman of the board. And Vince is now back in that position of power. Yeah. Just to do on the sale, and that's what everybody's been sticking to as the story. Triple H has said this. It came out from multiple people connected to WWE. Yep. Vince is focusing on the sale. We're taking it as it is. Mm-hmm. Any other nonsense yeah. is exactly that. The only kudos I'm ever going to give Vince McMahon is he's got some damn good lawyers because the speed at which he's moving with some of this stuff is astounding. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's bonkers, and that's all I'm going to say. It, that's the only thing that needs to be said. Like As long as he focuses on the sale... And we won't hear anything about that for a few months. God, until for at least six months at at the minimum. Yeah. Like we were talking on last week's show about this, about who the potential buyers are. And that's including for the TV rights, which there's a lot of moving factors that are going to happen. Oh, yeah. But for the one that got leaked out that was allegedly buying everything, it was debunked within hours. Yep. So what we're just giving you as our piece of advice. R-E-L-A-X. Yes. As much as you can these days. Yeah, focus on the good of wrestling. Focus on your favorite feds. If you need a new wrestling federation to watch, hit any of us up. We will be more than happy to point you in a direction of that, and we'll go from there. But in the meantime, everybody just needs to relax. Focus on the Royal Rumble, which is coming up this week. Coming up in a week and a half. Uh, Not this weekend, but the following weekend. Yes, and there was a big announcement of somebody that has made their presence known. Adrenaline. In my soul, something, something, Cody Rhodes. Yep, Cody Rhodes made his official announcement that he is going to be in the Royal Rumble this year. And that was pretty much the only real takeaway from Monday Night Raw, would you say, Pat? 
Yeah, I mean, they had they teasing uh, the Raw 30th anniversary taking place uh, next week from Philadelphia. Uh, I know you're going to have Bobby Lashley versus uh, Austin Theory for the U.S. title. You're going to have, uh, what is it, the Usos versus the Judgment Day for the Raw, Raw tag titles, which I think the Usos are probably going to lose this because that's the first time that I can remember since they've quote-unquote unified the belts that it's been for one of the individual belts. Big show, 30th anniversary. They're going to want to send some shockwaves. I, I, I bet the Usos are going to lose those belts. See, it could go either way because I think that they've been, te- they've been doing the SmackDown Tag Team title tournament too. So I think it's been subtly mentioned that the belts are going to get split. It could happen on the show. I don't doubt that you do have a title get moved somewhere. Could be. I just don't know if they would do that before, like, a pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing. But you never know. I mean, the tag team titles are going to be what they're going to be. Uh, you're also going to have Becky Lynch versus Bailey in a steel cage match. And then you're going to have the Roman Reigns acknowledgement ceremony, which, according to the Usos, what they said on this past, uh, this past episode of Raw, every generation of the bloodline is going to be there to acknowledge Roman Reigns, and to which I tweeted, every generation with a rock uh, eyebrow gif. Uh, also announced for this show are some legends, uh, such as uh, you're going to have uh, Teddy Hart, uh, Underta- Undertaker. Uh, let me just pull up the image here so I can get a full look here. Just pull this up. Give me one. Well, there's going to be so many stars that they're bringing back from the past. I mean, that's one thing with 30 years of Monday Night Raw. You have a plethora of talent yeah, to work uh, with. Uh, yes, yeah, so you're going to have Road Dogs going to be there. Uh, Ron Simmons is going to be there. X-Pac, Ric Flair, uh, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Kurt Angle, the Bella Twins, uh, Jerry Lawler, and then Teddy Long play. Yeah, so it's going to be a fun night for pro wrestling fans next week. Hopefully it's better than Raw 25. Yeah, definitely fingers crossed for that. That could be a long evening if it's not. But for right now, this is still the Triple H era on creative. A lot of things are happening in that favor. Yeah. And we just have to enjoy it for being fans. And that's kind of how we're going to wrap that up. But if you want more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607 TWS on your favorite podcast platforms. And for anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you for always listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Power Lay Hour. We'll see you next time. Gotta beat down to the punch. Gotta beat down to the punch. Cause they can't bring.